You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. So we're going we're gonna to look at some scriptures, and I want to strengthen your faith, especially in the midst of trials. How many people have been tried lately? <laughs> You've gone through a few trials? Have you gone through some affliction? Huh? Adversity? Have you gone through, has your faith been tried and tested? Because I have news for you. If you have faith, it will be tested. Faith will always be tested. Some people think that if you have faith, then you won't be tested. In fact, there was a time in my life I used to think that way. You know, because when I heard the word of faith, I received it so much. I said, no, I mean, yeah. I have faith. I won't need to be tested. But then, as I read the scriptures and I look at the lives of the heroes of faith, and I look at the Bible, look at Jesus, look at Paul, look at Peter, look at all those guys, then you see that, wow, no, where did I get this from? <laughs> huh? Yeah. So sometimes when you are being tested, the enemy can even accuse you to tell you that you are not in faith. That's why you are being tested. Have you been there before? Have you felt that way? Maybe I'm not strong enough. That's why I'm being tested. That is far from the truth. That is far from the truth. You know, James chapter 1, <clears throat> the book of James, James writes to, to the Hebrews, he writes, this is the brother of Jesus, Okay? He's, he's, he's the brother of Jesus, James. You know, when Jesus was on earth ministering, his brothers and sisters didn't actually believe in him. If you read the Gospels, you find that they used to make fun of him. Do you remember? When they would say to him, if you are great, go and show yourself. What, what are you doing? Why can't you do <laughs> the things you're doing, right? But now we see James... James says, he, look at how he introduces himself. This is Jesus' half-brother. Okay? He's the son of Mary and the son of Joseph. But we know that, uh, we know that Jesus, J Joseph was not Jesus' father, although Mary was his mother. Who was Jesus' father? God. All right? God just borrowed Mary's womb. And used it to bring Jesus to the earth. Right? But now look at James. He says, James, a born servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't even say the brother of Jesus. You know, if it were some of us, I don't know about you, if it were me, I would say, Eric, the brother of Jesus. To give credibility to what I'm about to say. Huh? Are you like that? Yeah. James, a bond servant of God. What? Why would he use such a strong word? A bond servant. You know what a bond servant is? Hmm? In those days, right? In those days, what happened is that the Jews, um, in fact, from the time of Moses, there was slavery in those days, okay? The one slavery was part of culture, it was everything. Some people have some gripes against the Bible because of slavery and all of that. But that's for another day, not today. So, what used to happen is that on the year of Jubilee, a slave will be released. Yes? So, God told them that every seven years, there's going to be a Jubilee. And when there is a jubilee, all your slaves are to be released. Those that owe you, you forgive them. Their debts. In our age, it doesn't happen. There's no forgiveness. <laughs> yes? They can chase you for 25 years. <laughs> you see, 
So that is to tell you that the system that we are running is not really godly. How you can be enslaved for 25 years to pay a bond? Huh? God bless them. I'm not against anybody. But I'm just saying, in, the, in biblical terms, seven years was the maximum you could hold somebody to a debt. Jubilee, you will release them. So the slaves that are released in the year of Jubilee, if the slave loves his master very much, what he would do is that he would come and say to the master, I love you so much. I don't want to go away. I want to serve you for life. Okay? I want to serve you for life. So what they would do is that they would put a, a hole in his ear and put an earring. So those of you <laughs> they will put a hole in his ear, right? So, um, and then everywhere that slave went, when people saw the ear and the earring, they knew this is a bond servant. He's a love slave. So he's serving not out of compulsion. He's serving out of love. Do you understand? So it became known. Anyone, they would see and they would say, wow, this is a different caliber of slave. So that's the language that James is using here. A bond servant of Christ. In other words, he wasn't forced to do this. And of God. How many bond servants of God do we have? Yes. Hmm? So, you have the option to walk away, but you choose to remain. So, that's the way he introduces himself. James, a born servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. The twelve tribes of Israel. I said he wrote to the Hebrews. Okay, they were scattered. Why were they scattered? Because of persecution. They were scattered because of persecution. So, he says, greetings. Now, look at verse, verse 2. This is where we're going. He says, my brethren, counted all joy when you fall into various trials. Faith, I'm talking about faith in the midst of trials. Faith in the midst of adversity. Faith in the midst of testing. Faith in the midst of pain. Faith in the midst of anguish. Hallelujah. There are seasons like that in life, in your walk with God. So James says, count it all joy. How do you, how do you count? In other words, when you are being tried, he says you need to count it joy. You need to be joyful. You need to be grateful. Ha! Huh. How many people have that attitude? When they are being tried. Huh? Okay, that's good. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Then verse 3 is key. Look at what it says. Knowing. That's the key. Knowing. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So if you don't know that this is working out for good, you cannot count it joy. Do you understand? An ignorant person cannot count it joy when his faith is being tried. When he's going through trials. James is telling them to count it all joy. Why? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Do you know that God is working something in you? Hmm? Sometimes the promise is delayed and you are tempted to grumble. You are tempted to complain. 
Don't fall for that temptation. You need to know. If the promise seems to be delayed, it's because your faith is being tried. So he says, count it all joy. You need to be joyful. Why? Because you know that this test is producing something. It's producing patience. And patience is vital in your walk with God. You need patience. Don't be like the person that prays, Lord, give me patience right now. Don't be like that. No. It takes time to develop patience. It takes time. Amen? Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Then he says, let patience have its perfect work. Allow it. Come on. Allow patience to have its perfect work. Why? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So how many people want to be perfect? Then allow the test. Count it all joy when you are being tried. I know it's easier said than done, but it's an attitude you need to develop. It's a discipline that needs to be a part of your life. Some people's default is when they are being tried, the first thing they do is to complain. The first thing they do is to grumble. The first thing they do is to murmur. And that's very ungodly. Hmm? That's carnal. It's not spiritual. The spiritual response to trial is joy. That's the spiritual response. Oh, pastor, but it doesn't come natural. Then develop it. Develop it. I know it might not come natural, but if you will work at it, it will become natural to you. Amen? It will become natural. Why? Because God is at work. He wants you to be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He doesn't want you to lack anything in your character. He doesn't want you to lack anything in your Christianity. He doesn't want you to lack anything in your walk with Him. He doesn't want you to lack anything in your faith. And if you are going to fight, if you are going to take the land, if we are going to take the nation, we have to allow God to process us. And the process, part of the process is that you'll be tried. You'll be tested. Hmm? You remember last week we were talking about Peter? Huh? How Satan desired to have him. Okay, we were praying. When we were praying. Last week we, were, we had a prayer, prayer meeting. <laughs> we were praying about our faith. Yeah, because Jesus came to Peter and said, Peter, Satan has asked for you. He has requested. Can you imagine? Satan can ask for somebody. <laughs> but why would God allow that? Because he's confident in what he has put in you. Do you understand? He knows what you are carrying. He knows the, the, his investment in you. Just like Job. Remember Job. Why would God allow Job to go through what he went through? Because God knew what he had put in Job. God knew that Job was a man of faith. A man of faith. It's like saying, oh, you, you, you've been studying for so long. I mean, you've mastered this subject. You've mastered this topic. You've mastered this uh, concept, whatever. And when they say it's time for a test, you get offended. Huh? You say, oh, I mean, what, what are they trying to prove? Why, why, why should they give us a test? Don't they trust that we know it? <laughs> huh? Don't they trust that we know? We, we, I have mastered this thing. Why can't they believe that I've mastered it? Why do they have to test me? 
But that's how some people walk with God. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Yeah. Then he says, if anyone, James 1.5, if anyone of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. Now, why is he talking about wisdom? In the midst of trial, you need wisdom. Do you see? Yeah, in the midst of trial, you need wisdom. So he said, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. If you lack wisdom, you're going through situations and you don't know what to do. You, you, you check and it seems as if you, within the resources you have, you don't have what it takes to deal with that. He says, go to God, ask for wisdom. Huh? Wisdom is profitable to direct. Wisdom will direct you. Wisdom will tell you, take this step. Wisdom will say, just hold on. Well, then wisdom will say, be patient. Wisdom will say, just worship. This is happening. What do I do? Worship. Worship. Like, Peter, uh, like Paul and Silas. They were there in jail. For what? For preaching. They were obeying God. Now they are locked up in jail. And the Bible says, while they prayed and they sang, right in there, wisdom told them, it's not time to have a pity party. It's not a time to call other prisoners. And you know that song, right? Nobody knows my sorrow. Huh? No, 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 no. That was not the time to have a pity party. So what did they do at that time? Wisdom told them it's time to worship. Have praise and worship. Pray and worship. Pray and worship. Pray and worship. Pray and worship. Don't focus on your chains. Focus on the Lord. They were in chains, but they are they are at they are. Um, focus was not on the chain. They were focusing on the Lord. You know, when you worship, do you notice that when you worship, you focus on God? Is that not so? Amen. Or do you worship yourself? No. You don't say, there's nobody like me. Huh? You know, you don't do that when you worship. Huh? You don't, you don't, you don't say there's nobody like me. You say there's nobody like you. Hmm? There is none like me. Is that what you say when you worship? No. Why? Because worship focuses on the Lord, not on you. Now, if you want to sing about you, that's different. I'm sure there are many songs on, on the chat that can help you to do that. <laughs> Go to the radio stations, you get a lot of them that can help you to sing about yourself. But when you want to worship God, you sing. Huh? There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. Huh? I could search for all eternity long and find there is none like you. So when you are being tried and tested and you are saying, there is none like you. Do you know how confusing it is to Satan? Huh? He wants you to respond negatively, then you are worshipping. That's what Paul and Silas did. So when your faith is being tested, when you are in the midst of trial, when you are in the midst of adversity, that's the time you need to worship the most. That's the time you need to worship the most. I'm telling you, I'm telling you from experience, it helps. It helps instead of looking at your, your, your wounds, licking your wounds, and you know, just telling yourself how nobody understands you, how nobody can appreciate what you are going through. Stop that. It won't take you anywhere. It will neutralize your faith. But when you are in that situation and you are singing, look at, at midnight. How many people know that midnight is the darkest hour? That is the darkest hour. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. 
and the prisoners were listening to them. Acts 16.25. That's it. The prisoners were listening at midnight. What do you do at midnight? Right? <laughs> you are finished. But at midnight, these guys, look at them. That's what to do when you are in adversity. When you are in the midst of trial. When you are being persecuted. Come on. Yeah. When you are being challenged. When it seems as if everything, the whole world is against you. That's what you do. That's the recipe for miraculous intervention. If the Israelites knew this when they were in the wilderness, I'm telling you, the Bible would have been a different book. Especially those accounts would have had powerful, glorious accounts of divine interventions. But no, for them in the wilderness, it was a time to complain. Moses, how can you do this to us? You and God. Are there no graves in Egypt? Why do you want us to die? We're not even going to get a decent burial. There's no funeral plan here. Hmm? Nobody's here to bury us. How can we die like this? Huh? Animals are going to eat our bodies. What? Come on. Did God bring you out to kill you? You see? But they didn't realize their faith was being tested. It says the prisoners were listening to them. Look at that, right? Then let's read on. Come on. Acts, yeah, verse 6 to 26. Suddenly, come on. Somebody say suddenly. suddenly. I can't hear you. Suddenly. Yeah, you see. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. When your faith is being tried, you need to create a suddenly moment. You need to create that moment. But how do you do that? By your attitude. By your attitude. How you respond. There is a way that God is going to vindicate you. There was a great earthquake. Not even a small one. A great one. Huh? So that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Can you see that? Every foundation, every prison, everything that has been put around your life, you feel as though you are in prison. You feel as though you can't move. It can be shaken at this very moment. I'm telling you. Yeah. But will you worship God? And will you pray? I discovered in my life that a lot of times before I go through a major adversity, God begins to stir me up to pray. And you know what? When I start sensing the urge to pray, I start giving myself to prayer. I start giving myself more to prayer. And you know what? Whenever it comes, I'm already strong. Many people pray, wait until they're in a crisis. No, I pray before the crisis. <laughs> I pray before the crisis, I pray in the crisis, and I pray after the crisis. <laughs> Learn from that. That would help you. Okay? Yeah. So, if one of the things I can tell you from experience is this. If you are not prayerful before a crisis, when a crisis comes, you might not find it easy to pray. Praying without ceasing comes to people who pray. <laughs> okay? The more prayerful you are, the easier it is to be prayerful. No, I'm telling you from experience. And this, this is the experience of decades. I find that to be true. 
Okay? So if you want to be a prayerful person, start praying. Start praying. And interestingly, Paul and Silas were together. They, you know, it, it helps when you have somebody to pray with. If you can't do it on your own, find someone to do it with. Okay? Yeah. So the foundations of the prison were shaken. That is how prisons are going to be shaken through your faith, through your prayer, and through your worship. Prisons will shake. Satan has put everything around you. You know there are invisible prisons. Yeah. They're invisible prisons. People have prisons around their life and nobody, everybody sees them free, but they know that they are not free. Hmm? Prison has been deregulated. There's a technology that they have. Huh? Now, in some, in some countries where they put it on prisoners, and there is a parameter. They can't go beyond that way. So there is no fence, but you can't move. By the time you get to that place, the thing will shock you. You go back. <laughs> yeah. Some people do it with their animals, their dogs. Yeah, one of our neighbors had that on his dog. The dog. <laughs> but you see, the dog can't cross. This is, a, this is a big dog that can jump that low fence. But the dog can't even get to the fence. And he's charging, charging, but he can't move. So one day I was walking with someone who came to visit and we're walking. And I said, don't worry, it's not going to come close. He said, ah, but how do you know? I said, there is a technology. That is used to control the dog. He can't cross. He can't. If he gets, ah, I think we'll shock him. He'll go back. Just watch. And really, the dog will go and then go back again. He comes again. He, he really wants to attack, but he can't cross. Hmm? That's like a prison. So, spiritually, some people are like that. Are you getting my point? That's some people's spiritual condition. But I'm telling you by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, by the authority of the Word of God, that that prison foundation is going to be shaken. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. It's going to be shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Come on. Because of two people, the entire prison was set free. So because of you, because of your faith, because of your love for God, because of your worship, because of your prayer, some people are going to be liberated. Just by being around you. You need to start thinking like that. Think like that. Because you are carrying the Spirit of God. Amen? So, why are we saying this? Pastor... My faith is not being tried. It's okay. When it gets tried, you can, you can draw from this. Amen? Look at what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. These guys in the early church, I'm telling you, these guys faced a lot of challenges. Their faith was tested in ways that we have not even imagined. Okay? And remember, life at that time is not like it is for us today. It, to, today, we have a lot of comforts. Even the poorest of the poor have certain things that those guys did not have. Do you understand what I'm saying? problem. There are certain things that those guys, even kings in their day, did not experience what common people today experience. 
Yes? Should I give you an example? The medical care we have today, was it available at that time? Talk to me. It wasn't. It was only for the rich at that time. It was only people like, in those days, like today we have hospitals, right? People can go to Barra. They don't have money, right? But there's government hospital. If they can get there, it might take ages before they get attended to, but there is a place. All right? Do you know in those days, there were no hospitals. Pastor, what about Luke? He was a physician. Yeah, physicians were only attending to the rich. Those days, in fact, if you go and read history, it tells you that those days when you were sick, you were cast out. You were left to die. Even when you read philosophers like Aristotle and so on. Aristotle even said that people that are sick and have nothing to contribute to society should be, you know, um, should be gotten rid of. So today, when you are sick, you just, oh, I need help. People even think of helping you. People even think, even if they don't have the means, they think of taking you somewhere. They think of praying for you. They think of accommodating you. They think of at least giving you water to drink. That time, it was even a curse for you to be sick. Think about that. But today, you take it for granted. That somebody even touches you when you have a fever. That, <laughs> at that time, you were cursed. We need to get rid of this curse from society. Before he now contaminates the whole of society. They will take you outside the city and dump you there. And there you will die slowly. That was the practice then. So what am I saying? I'm saying that even the basic things that are available today were not available at that time. Amen? So... 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have this ministry, what ministry? Ministry of the glory of God. Ministry of the Spirit of God. Ministry of the Word of God. Since we have this ministry, we have received mercy and we do not lose heart. So if you want to know what ministry he was talking about, you see he was talking about that in chapter 3. Hallelujah. He's talking about the ministry of righteousness that exceeds more in glory. That's the ministry he's talking about. The glory of the New Testament. That's what he's talking about. He says we have that now. Since we have that, huh? we need to understand that we have received mercy. In other words, God has been merciful to you already. Even though you are going through challenges, you have obtained mercy. It's because of his mercies we're not consumed. Correct? How many people are dead here? If you, if you are dead, raise your hand. <laughs> of course, how do you do that if you are dead? You are here because you have received mercy. You are alive because you have received mercy. That's what Lamentations tells us. So because of that, we do not lose heart. Hallelujah. Look at verse 7. He says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. There is treasure in you. Come on, hit your chest. Say there's treasure in me. I want to hear. Hallelujah. With conviction. Amen. So we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Why would God put treasure in earthen vessels? God saw how imperfect you are. He saw how, you know, how vulnerable you are. Yet, he put his treasure in you. In earthen vessels, why? That the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. So that when people see the power of God manifesting through you, after your faith is being, is being tried, I have news for you. There will be power that will come out of you. 
There will be glory that will manifest from you. Then when that happens, it says you need to understand that the excellency of the power is not from you, but it's of God. It's of God. Hallelujah. So he says, we are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Are you, and at times you feel hard pressed. It's like there's this challenge, and then this one, then there is this one, then there's this one. You finish this one, then the next one comes up, shows up. And it's like, when is it going to end? Many times people have asked me that. I shared a story of this lady that came to me one time, years ago, many years ago. She said, Pastor, please pray for me. I said, okay, what do you want? She said, I don't want the devil to disturb me anymore. I don't want him to disturb me. Pray for me. I said, oh, no problem. Just kneel down. She knelt down. I laid my hands over. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you kill my sister right now. No, Pastor! I said, what? What do you mean? He said, no, I don't want to die. I said, but you don't want the devil to trouble you. I want God to take you to heaven, kill you so that you go to heaven and Satan will not disturb you. She said, no, I don't want to die. I said, are you sure you don't want to die? Said, yes, I don't want to die. Then you must face him. <laughs> so if you come to me and ask for that kind of prayer, I mean, ask me to pray for you so that you don't get tested, you don't get tried, you don't get tempted. That's the kind of prayer I'll pray for you. I'll pray for God to kill you. By the time you wake up tomorrow, you'll be in heaven. How about that? You want that? Instead of committing suicide, just come to me, I'll help you. I'll just pray you straight into heaven. Hmm? Yeah. Don't you know we have the power to do that? When my, my late mom was, was ill and was on her deathbed, the Lord spoke to me. He says, you know you are the one holding her back. I said, what? He said, yeah. You, you are the one holding her. I said, oh, my Lord. So I had to call my siblings. I said, look, this is what the Lord said to me. Can we release her? Do we agree? Let's release her to go. She's finished. Hmm? Spoke to my brother, spoke to my sister. They said, okay, let the Lord's will be done. And I said, put the phone on her ear. I spoke to her. You've taught us the way of the Lord. You've shown us by precept and by example. We're going to be fine. If it's time for you to go, I release you to go. A few days later, she was gone. So what am I saying? We can pray you into heaven. <laughs> if you don't want to be tried, if you want to, don't want to go to, come, let me pray for you. I have, I know scriptures that I can use. I'm telling you, and God cannot deny me if I bring those. I'll, I just need to present a good case. And it will be done. <laughs> Don't go and jump off a bridge. Just come. I'll help you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. You are so confused by, you know, by... It's come, it's come, it's coming from this side, it's coming from that side, it's coming from this person. This person that you thought will understand you comes against you and he's like, what is this? The person you thought will stand with you is now against you. Huh? Can you imagine what Paul went through when he was writing this? He said, persecuted but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. These are Apostles. These are men of faith that have raised the dead. Open blind eyes, cripples walking. What is happening? Where is your faith, Paul? How can you be 
struck down. Nothing should strike you down. Always carrying in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That life, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Christ's sake. That the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So they are being delivered to death. There are things that come that will persecute them and crush them. The spirit of death will come, but it cannot take them away. The spirit of death will come, confront him. But as he's going through this, more life is coming to the people. Can you see how it works? If you're going to manifest the life of Christ, you should be ready to pass through the valley of the shadow of death and come out without any smell of fire. Is it okay to talk about this thing? I know it's not an exciting thing, but it's just reality. You want to be made strong, right? How many people want to raise the dead, walk in, you know, the powers of the age to come? Yeah, so don't be afraid of anything. Okay? So even if it seems as if you are dying, in that state, announce the life of God. Declare. Hallelujah. He's the one that has the keys of life and death. Nobody can take your life. Nobody can. They need permission to do that. Hallelujah. So even though the devil comes and it seems as if you are dying, <laughs> know that you are living. Tell yourself, I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. I'm going to manifest the glory of God to my generation. That's the kind of spirit you should have. That's the kind of attitude you should have. Not the one that says, God, <laughs> I want to die now. Hmm? I used to be suicidal, so I know how it feels to be in that place. But God has rescued me. And from my teenage years up till now, the zest for life is just getting stronger. Now I'm even more excited. Huh? Take on mountains. Take on challenges. I'm already beginning to think of the challenges I want to face next year. Come on. Yeah, I'm warming myself for that. I'm warming up for it. Yeah, I'm building my faith. Preparing ahead of time. To take on some major challenges. Hallelujah. That's how to glorify God. That's how to please God. Hmm? Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. You can't run away. Even Bob Marley said, He's, He that runs away will live to fight another way. He that runs from battle will live to fight another day. So the fact that you run away doesn't mean that the battle is over. Amen? Mm. So look at what he says in verse 13. I like this. Verse 13. Come on. Look at what he says. Since we have the same spirit of faith. Have you got the same spirit of faith? The same spirit of faith that Paul had. The same spirit of faith that Joshua had. The same spirit of faith that Abraham had. The same spirit of faith that uh, the heroes of faith had. He says, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what is written. Come on. Is there anything written for you to build your faith on? Huh? According to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak. Pastor Sam told us that the faith of God speaks. The faith of God speaks. The same spirit of faith, it doesn't only believe, it also speaks. Can you declare what you believe? Can you declare what you expect? Can you declare ahead of time what God is about to do? That's what we're doing. Hallelujah. Anybody can say things that are happening already. Huh? But it takes a woman and a man of faith ahead of time.
to call those things that be not as though they were. That's the spirit of faith. Yeah. That's the spirit of faith. And listen, it doesn't matter how hard the trial is. Just hold on to some scriptures. And say, Lord, I'd rather die than doubt you. <laughs> yes. I'd rather die holding on to your word. I'd rather die holding on to your promises than live a day in unbelief. Live a day doubting you. What kind of testimony do you want to have when you get to heaven they say she died out of unbelief? Come on. That's if you, if you even get to heaven. Because unbelievers are not there. Read the book of Revelation. The unbelieving will not enter. Have you seen that before? Huh? All the groups of people that will not enter into heaven are unbelieving people. The Israelites didn't enter the promised land because of unbelief. It's not because they were not perfect. No, it's because of their unbelief. God has done things. God demonstrated his power. Look at the cowardly, the unbelieving. Revelation 21, 8. The cowardly, the unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, adulterers, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Can you see unbelief is part of that? God doesn't take it lightly when we become unbelievers. There are many unbelievers in church. Unbelieving believers. That's what I call them. They're unbelieving believers. They, they are there, but they are not there. They are with God, but they are not with God. Can you imagine such a state? That's a horrible state. Amen? But hey, I want you to be strong this morning. I want you to receive a shot. You know, the doctors used to give flu shots and different kind of shots. Eh? What other shots do you give? Vitamin B shots. What else? <laughs> Vaccines to immunize you. Those shots, you know. So I want to give you some shots this morning. So that when you face things, you look at them eyeball to eyeball and say, I'm not afraid of you, mountain. I'm not afraid of you, Goliath. Hallelujah. I'm not afraid of you, challenge. Kabos The power of God. I have this treasure in earthen vessels. I have this treasure in me. doesn't matter what people say. There is treasure in me. There is virtue in me. There is value in me. It's God's investment. Hallelujah. That's why you should count it all joy. The devil, honestly, trust me on this. The devil will not even attempt to harass you if you had nothing to offer. Did you hear me? Should I repeat myself? The devil will not even attempt to harass you if you had nothing to offer. There's something you have that he's threatened about. He knows if I allow her, this is going to be a dangerous person. And that's why he's paying attention to you. Huh? People don't pay. <laughs> have you ever seen somebody killing another person for nothing? Just for there's nothing to get from the person. Then he's just killing the person. Isn't it when the person has something of value and they, they, they want that thing, that they kill that person? They can't just kill you for breathing air. Because there's abundance of air. Am I correct? But if there's something of value that they feel they can take from you, that's when they try to confront you. That's how the enemy works. If he, if he is not attacking you, 
<laughs> I used to say, I heard one of my lecturers say, if the devil, if in your life you don't collide with the devil, you're probably walking in the same direction. But if you are, if you are going against each other, you will meet at some point. Does it make sense? Hmm? If I'm facing this direction and you are facing that direction, you are walking and I'm walking. No collision. Hmm? Except there's uh, over speed. But it cannot be a head-on collision. But if it's going to be a head-on collision, we have to be facing different directions. So if it seems as if you are in a, on a head-on collision with the enemy. That's good news. Hallelujah. Be positive even when you go through trials. Be positive when you are being shaken. I know it's not a natural response for the carnal, but for the spiritual, it is a natural response. You know, when they train pilots, they train them in different scenarios. They put them in a simulator and say, the, the simulator is able to create certain conditions. And then the pilot is trained to respond. Okay? When the plane is behaving like this, when the weather is like this, this is how you need to respond. He is trained. And that simulator creates and replicates that natural condition. And the instructor will watch how the, the pilot responds to that. If he responds according to instruction, he will, he will be... He'll be taken through all those vigorous um, conditions until it gets to a point that he begins to do it by instinct. Do you understand what I'm saying? He starts responding by instinct. So then now when he's faced with that in real life, in a real flight, guess what? It wasn't natural before, but by training it's not natural. Okay? So the, that is how we need to be even in the, with the things of God. Amen. Hallelujah. So when you face certain things, how do you respond? Now, you need to train yourself to start responding as a spiritual person. Okay? So that even when you are unconscious, your response will be according to the word. Hallelujah. That's where you become unconsciously responsible. <laughs> huh? When you're sleeping, even in your dream, you will be responsible. How about that? When you are dreaming, you respond appropriately. Why? Because it's deep down in your spirit. Let's stand up and let's pray. Come on. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www dot every nation midrand dot org